So tonight, Miss Karen is going to come and she's going to prepare our program tonight on the confessions of a shopaholic. When I was a little girl, there were real prices and mom prices. Real prices got you shiny, sparkly things that lasted three weeks, and mom prices got you brown things that lasted forever. Did you notice they were 50%? Oh, yes. But when I looked into shop windows, I saw another world. A dreamy world full of perfect things. A world where grown-up girls got what they wanted. They were beautiful. Like fairies or princesses. They didn't even need any money. They had magic cards. I wanted one. stores are put there to enjoy. Uh, the experience is enjoyable. <laughs> well, more than enjoyable. It's it's beautiful. The sheen of silk draped across the mannequin. <laughs> oh, the smell of new Italian leather shoes. Italian leather shoes, that's the best. Oh, the rush you feel when you swipe your card. And it's approved. <laughs> and it all belongs to you. Okay, Rebecca, thank you for the sharing. The joy you feel when you've bought something and it's just you and the shopping. You and shopping. All you have to do is hand over a little card. Enjoy oh oh together. Isn't that the best feeling in the world? Yeah. Don't you just want to shout in front of the mountaintop? That's real. <laughs> feel so confident and alive. And happy. And happy. Warm. What's going on here? Oh, I need to buy a new bag. I have to impress Alette Naylor. You should get a watch to go with that bag. Oh, there's a, a sale at Catherine Malandrino. You're like my soul sister. I know it. I have to go. Good luck, everybody. Do, do, do they have shoes? I'm not buying. You sit down. My wallet is strong. My wallet is closed. I do not want to shop.
sales tonight. Did you know that they're having a sale at Black uh, White House Black Market and all these different places? I have such amazing gifts in here. I couldn't pass it up. So I know I was supposed to be here for the dinner and everything, but you know what? This was so important. I got so many amazing gifts, and I know you're going to enjoy them tonight. I want to pass out a few gifts tonight. Will you help me, Janice? I just want to give some ladies some gifts, but you know what? Don't open it. Don't open it until the end because it's a surprise, and I don't want you to open it because I want to to be able to have this the message preached tonight. I know I was late, but you know I want you to wait till the end and everything. So I want you to have this this bag right here. That's for you. That's one of my favorite stores right there. You have got to go in there and check that out. So I want to give you this one right here. If you'll take this one, but don't open it. Wait till the end. And everything. So I just want to hand out a few gifts tonight. Would you like this one, the silver bag? That is some really cool stuff. So um, let me see. What do we got here? We've got all kinds of beautiful things. We want to take that one tonight. So, and who else? Who else can I give some gifts to? Um, you know what? You take that one. Take that one right there. And then I'm just going to walk around. I'm going to give some gifts out and everything. But, you know, I'm really sorry I was late. But, you know, I couldn't help myself. I just had to go and check out those places because I am a shopaholic. My name is Karen Schatzline, and I am a shopaholic. <laughs> so, but you know what? How many of you feel that way? I mean, you're lying if you say you do not enjoy the adrenaline rush of going shopping. I don't care if you have money or not. I don't care if you're just window shopping. You just enjoy. For women, it's all about the experience. It's not just about shopping. It's not just about purchasing something. For me, it truly is partially about the experience of it all. About, you know, just even, you know, Pastor said Sunday that, you know, I can shop for three hours in a convenience store, and sadly, that is true, you know. And, And then sadly, even more sad about that is that I can't find my car when I go outside afterwards to to find it. But I want to share a very, just a word for you tonight. You know, I know I'm revealing a little bit about how shallow I really am (laughs) tonight, but I'm okay with that. Um, uh, I don't know if it's really loud to y'all, Matt. It may not be to you. Maybe it's just for me up here, but You know, maybe it shows a little bit about how shallow I am, but, I mean, did you see this green scarf up here tonight? I mean, how gorgeous is that? You know, that is just so gorgeous. And, you know, I would love to get that, but, you know, I really don't need to because I spent, you know, everything I had on all of those gifts that I got tonight. So I have to wait on that. Maybe they'll put it on hold for me. You think they might do that? (laughs) So, but, you know, I just want to share this message with you tonight, Confessions of a shopaholic. And I know you may be sitting back there, and if you're a first-time visitor, you may be thinking, wow, your pastor's wife is really shallow. <laughs> but you know what? I trust you. There's more to this message than what you think. And so, you know what? I just want you to know tonight that, you know what? God has so many gifts for us, so many things for us, and he doesn't hold back any good thing from us. He loves us so much, and I am so excited and just so honored that you chose to be here tonight to be a part of what's going on here at the summit. There's just an awesome group of ladies. I look across here, and you're all just such beautiful women, just full of purpose and passion and everything, and how wonderful is it? I mean, we have women. I know the guys are bragging like crazy that they've got Jim Autry cooking for them on Saturday morning, but we've got his wife and Terry Cobb. We've got Kay Autry and Terry Cobb cooking for us tonight. So I can guarantee you that was awesome food. 
So, um, but I'm just so excited that you're here tonight. But you know what, ladies? I'm in the mood for a shopping spree. And not just for things that I can put on or that I can wear around my neck or clothes that I can wear, you know, shoes to put on my feet. I am in the mood for a shopping spree. And I've got to confess to you that I was created to shop. And let me tell you something. My daughter, Abby, even more so than me. The child, you know, when Nate was little, I would go shopping with him. And we would last all about two and a half minutes. And, you know, he had had enough. I mean, he was crying. He was whining. There was one particular time I went shopping, and uh, I was driving, (laughs) pushing him in the stroller through this really nice, you know, department store, and everyone was laughing. I was, like, driving through. Y'all, please do not tell him I told you this. But we were (laughs) pushing pushing him through the the intimate apparel (laughs) items. (laughs) He was only, like, a year and a half, you know. So, and he was pitching a fit and everything, but all of a sudden he got really quiet, and I thought, oh, I've got a little shopping time left and everything, but everyone was staring and laughing, and so I kind of, they were like pointing at him and stuff, and so I looked around the stroller, and he was like chewing on a couple of bras, and I'm like, <laughs> so, you know, it was time to get him out of there, but, <laughs> so, but we were, cre- I was created to shop, and what, the reason I was telling you that is girls are so different. I mean, Abby is seven years old, and we could literally get to the mall at 10 a.m. when they open and not leave till they close at night, and she would never complain. You just take her by any department store that has anything glittery, shiny, girly, frilly, pink, you know, gold, diamond. She'll walk past the diamond counters just to say, look, Mommy, they're so pretty. (laughs) And I'm like, okay, you're a little young. You're not getting a diamond. (laughs) So, but we, I was created for that. And you know what? I love to shop. And you know what? I don't make excuses for that. I'm not going to apologize for that. Now, I use wisdom and everything, and I love to, you know, find a good bargain. But you know what? There is something just slightly euphoric about the adrenaline rush you get from being in that crowd, that feeling you get when you see those new se- the new season's items displayed in the window of the store. You know, how many of you feel that way? You know, even if you can't buy them, you just love seeing them, the new colors, the new, you know, all of that stuff. There's just something powerful of finding that perfect item, that perfect pair of shoes, that perfect belt, those earrings. You know, there's just something empowering, I think, about that. (laughs) But even more exciting is when you walk by that store and you see the little magic word, sale. (laughs) And you walk in there. You see, I'm a dangerous woman at a sale. You know, I am. I can make my way through. So I tell the Forerunner girls, and I'm sure any one of them can quote the comment that I have told them from day one when they come into this school, do not pay full price for anything. If you pay full price, you got ripped off. And so I tell them that when they come in because I am the queen of finding a bargain and everything. I want you to know I got this jacket that I have on, and some of you may not like it, it might be too bright, but I got this jacket for like $8.99 at Target. So I am the queen of finding a good bargain, and I live to do that. Irma Bombeck once said, shopping is a woman thing. It's a contact sport like football. Women enjoy the scrimmage, the noisy crowds, even the danger of being trampled to death, and the ecstasy of the purchase. I mean, how many can relate to that? (laughs) But nevertheless, I love the way... God created me. 
You see, I watched a movie recently, and it was this movie, the video clip that you just saw. It's not up on the screen. There you go. But um, I watched this movie, and Abby and I went, and we actually talked Pastor into going with us to see this movie, and he and one other man were the only men in the entire theater. So he was glad to get out, but Abby and I enjoyed it, and then I had the Forerunner girls over to my house to watch it. So, but you see, I've never written a message based on a title or a theme to a movie, but there was something about this movie you saw, you know, in the clip, you know, the different aspects of her life, being, you know, haunted and taunted and, you know, stalked by the creditor and everything, and there were so many areas of this movie that could be applied to our spiritual walk and our spiritual life that I just couldn't pass it up, and plus just the opportunity to show just a tiny glimpse of what real women really feel when they go out into the shopping world, but you see, I realized that while watching this movie, it hit me. Jesus is a shopaholic. He loves being able to shop for us, to search us out, to find us. You see, I realized that you are so special, that we as women are so incredibly special, that God made us to be his daughters. You see, I'm convinced that Jesus understands the way I feel. I mean, after all, he created me, right? He created me with these things inside of me, these desires inside of me. You see, over the next few minutes, I hope to be able to show you just how special you are, just how worth it you are to him, how valuable, how valuable that you are to him, and how he loves to shop for you. You see, that's what I hope you will leave here with tonight, that understanding of how valuable you are. You see, how many of you can relate to the different scenes in that, in that video clip? We run around trying to find significance and purpose and all the wrong things so many times. You know, in our worldly possessions and everything around us, you know, we're searching out those things. We hide so many secrets you know, afraid that those people around us will find out the real us, the real things that we're hiding in the secrets. You know, on Sunday we showed the clip of, you know, everything popping out of the closet, you know, that she had hidden there, didn't want anybody to know she had purchased all of those things. And so many times we hide so many secrets, afraid that they're just going to come pouring out in front of everyone around us. You see, and the enemy comes in just like that debt collector, trying to collect on all of our mistakes, trying to collect on all of the things that we have done. But can I tell you, God has already paid your debt. He has already paid the ultimate price. He has already paid your debt for you so that you don't have to. You see, God loves to bestow blessing and favor on his daughters. Psalms 45:11 says, All glorious is the princess within her chamber. You see, it says, Her, ga- her gown, is interwoven with gold in embroidered garments she is led to her king first corinthians seven twenty three says all of you slave and free both were once held hostage in a sinful society then a huge sum was paid out for your ransom so please don't out of old habits slip back into being or doing what everyone else tells you friends stay where you are called to be god is there hold the high ground with him at your side you see God has a purpose for you. God has such an awesome purpose for you. Quit quit trying to conform to what everyone else says that you should be. Quit trying to conform to what everyone else is trying to place on you and realize that God has such an awesome purpose for you. Psalms 139 says, 
Oh, yes, you shaped me first inside, then out. You formed me in my mother's womb. I thank you, high God. You're breathtaking. You see, I love using the Message Bible because it puts it in terms that even I can comprehend and understand. It says, you're breathtaking. Body and soul, I am marvelously made. I worship in adoration. What a creation. You know me inside and out. You know every bone in my body. You know exactly how I was made. Bit by bit, I was sculptured from nothing into something. And you see, I love that. You see, God is a great manufacturer. You see, he is better than Gucci or Prada or Coach. You see, he works so hard to make you valuable. He makes each of us as an individual. I like pieces that are individual, that are original, that no one else has. I like to be able to say, I have this, and I have never seen anyone else with this and everything. But God makes you that way. He makes you different from everyone else. You are an original, and that makes you so valuable to him. There is not another one like you. He loves you that much. (laughs) Tell him I said hi. (laughs) So but he, he makes you as an original. Proverbs 31 says, A wife of noble character, who can find? She is worth far more than rubies, and her husband has full confidence in her and lacks nothing at all. You see, I am worth so much more than the price tag on that scarf or the clothes on the rack. I'm worth so much more than anything that you can put a price tag on. I am worth so much to the king, and so are you. You see, when you get home tonight, you should tell your husband, you see, Jesus understands me. He gets me. He knows what I'm all about. You know, tell your husband, you know, God created me this way. So when I go shopping, I come back with the whole bunch of bags. And, you know, I say, but it was on sale. It was wrong not to get it. (laughs) And so Jesus gets me, you know. (laughs) But you see, ladies, what I want you to understand is the kingdom of heaven is all about the purchasing power. You see, we will discover that Jesus paid it all. But you know what? It wasn't always like that. There wasn't always that purchasing power. In the Old Testament, God had no purchasing power. His credit line was filled up. Can you imagine the credit line being filled up? No more credit. But you see, he couldn't do anything more. Sin was too much. It had gotten too much. See, in fact, the credit line would be cut off at that point. You see, humanity's credit line was cut off, and it didn't work anymore. We had maxed out our grace with God. Isaiah 1.11 says, The multitude of your sacrifices, what are they to me? Says the Lord, I have more than enough of burnt offerings, of rams and the fat of fattened animals. I have no pleasure in the blood of bulls and lambs and goats. When you come to appear before me, who has asked this of you, this trampling of my courts? Hebrews 10, uh, 1 through 4 says, The law is only a shadow of good things that are coming, not the realities themselves. For this reason, it can never, by the same sacrifices repeated endlessly year after year, make perfect those who draw near to worship. If it could, would they not have stopped being offered? Would the worshipers would have been cleansed once for all and would no longer have felt guilty for their sins? See, our sins were too great at that moment, too many for the same old sacrifices. We had just become defiled and done all sorts of things. It was too much for just the sacrifices of bulls and goats. But what's so awesome about that to me is at that point, Jesus came and reopened my line of credit with the Father. 
He came in and he said, you know what? I'm going to pay their debt. I'm going to come in and I'm going to wipe the slate clean. I'm going to bankrupt heaven for you. And so you see in Hebrews 10:5 it says that is what it meant by this prophecy put in the mouth of Christ. You don't want sacrifices and offerings year after year. You've prepared a body for me to sacrifice. It's not fragrance and smoke from the altar that whets your appetite. So I said, I'm here to do it your way, O oh God. The way it's described in your book. You see Jesus said, I will pay the ultimate price. I will walk in and pay their debt in full. You see, what I want you to know is Jesus loves to go shopping for the best. He doesn't settle for a cheap knockoff either. You know what? I've had some cheap knockoffs. <laughs> you see, we don't serve a cheap God. We don't serve a penny pincher for a God. You see, he spent it all on you. Like I said, he bankrupted heaven for you. He came down and he paid your debt in full. Psalms 96, 4 through 5 says, For God is great and worth a thousand hallelujahs. His terrible beauty makes the gods look cheap. Pagan gods are mere tatters and rags. You see, our God has everything. And all we have to do is reach out and take hold of it and accept the free gift that he has to offer us. You see, Psalm 74, 2 says, Remember the people who purchased of old, the tribe of your inheritance. You see, look at Jesus' first miracle. Don't you know his mother was so proud of him i mean you know at every little you know milestone in your children's life you know my son's about to go off to college and he's having a signing day on wednesday where he's signing commitment letter to play football for a college on wednesday and you know that's hard for me you know because it's not in alabama (laughs) and so you know that's hard for me but as hard as it is i'll sit there and i will be so proud of him for the accomplishments that he has made See, but don't you know that Jesus' mother was so proud of him, that first miracle that he did. In John 2.10, it says, Everybody I know begins with their finest wines, and after the guests have had their fill, brings in the cheap stuff, but you have saved the best till now. Can I tell you, ladies, that God is here tonight, and this night he has saved the best for you. He has saved his best for now for your moment, for whatever you're walking through, for whatever you're facing, for whatever needs you have, whatever gift that you're lacking, he has everything you need tonight. You see, let's look at the examples of Jesus sharing about buying things. You see, he gets it. He knows. You know, he buys the very best. In Matthew 13, it says, The kingdom of heaven is like treasure hidden in the field. When a man found it, he hid it again. And then in his joy went and sold all that he had and bought that field because it was worth so much. In Matthew 13, 45, it says, Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant looking for fine pearls. When he found one of great value, he went away and sold everything he had and bought it. You see, ladies, Jesus only buys the very best. He only buys the most precious, the most, the most worthy. You see, have you ever bought anything and found out that you had a fake? You know, there's nothing worse than that. You see, you know, there are so many different ones, you know, people out there trying. How many have been to those purse parties where you buy, you know, the knockoffs for really cheap? You know, you get like a $300 bag for $15, you know, and you're so excited I got this bag. I know it's not real, but, you know, it looks just like the real thing and everything, and nobody will know. You know, I can pass it off as the real thing. And then you get home and you notice, like, the Gucci signs upside down. You know, or the Oakley, you know, tag is like on the wrong side or, you know, it's misspelled <laughs> or something like that. You see, 
Pat, Pastor, when he was a senior in high school, he went on a senior trip to New York City, and we've been there many times. And there's nothing more exciting, I think, than haggling with the merchants in Chinatown and everything. And that's where you get all the good knockoffs and everything. And <laughs> so, but he went there as a teenager and uh, as a senior in high school, and he got. Um, I forget what it was. He got some kind of uh, Gucci watch. It was a Gucci watch. And he came home, and he was so excited, you know, and he told his dad, oh, I got this Gucci watch. And his dad just bust out laughing. And he goes, you have got ripped off. <laughs> he said, that is not. I don't think, like, the hand worked on it or something. I don't know. <laughs> but it looked like it, you know. But, see, there is just nothing worse than a cheap imitation of a great original. You see, and God wants to make us that great original. You see, God bought the original, which is you. You are that original. See, he looked at the label and believed that he had the real deal in you. You see, he thinks that you are worth the investment that he has put out there. And that's what we need to realize is that we are worth the investment. We are worth being cherished and loved and taken care of and being blessed. So many of us, there's blessings and gifts waiting right on the other side of the doorstep. But we don't ever reach out and take them because we're so afraid that we're not worthy. You see, or that we we don't meet up or measure up to some standard that God has for us. When God says, you are my daughter, and by that alone you are worthy to receive the blessing. Because you are precious to him. You see, he goes past all of our makeup, all of our well, well-groomed attire, all of our, you know, well-polished nails and all of those things, all of our fancy coverings, all the facades. He goes past all of that and looks at what's really inside of us. You see, we as ladies are so good at covering up all the different things inside our lives. You know, we can show up and we can put on a smile. We can be dressed at, you know, decked out to the T and everything, but still be hiding pain and scars and secrets in our life. And no one would ever know it and think that you have it all together and think that you have everything perfect. Everything is roses and cupcakes and, you know, all of that good stuff. But you see, God is calling us as ladies to be real, to set a real standard. You see, Proverbs 21:29 says, Unscrupulous people fake it a lot, but honest people are sure of their steps. You see, he goes past all of that stuff in our lives to get down to what we really are. You see, but really, when we do all of those things, we're really just cheating ourselves. You see, he sees when we cheat ourselves. Proverbs 10:2 says, Ill-gotten treasures are of no value, but righteousness delivers from death. You see, Jesus has a different way of judging beauty. He judges from within outwardly. He judges what's on the inside first, and then that flows out into everything we do on the outward. You see, 1 Peter 3, 3 through 5 says, Your beauty should not come from outward adornment, such as braided hair and the wearing of gold jewelry and fine clothes, although those are nice things, and everything. (laughs) Instead, it should be that of your inner self, the unfading beauty of a gentle and quiet spirit is of great worth in God's sight. You see, I don't care how much you put on the outside. I don't care how nice your clothes are. I don't care if you're like me and once you turn 40, you use every kind of serum and cream and, you know, anything that says lift and renew and revive and, you know, anything. I don't care how much hair color you put in your hair and, you know, or what you do. It all fades. It's eventually going to fade away. But if you have not put that same amount of time and nurturing on the inside, what's going to be left behind? 
What's going to be left to draw those people to you still when all else fades? Don't put your purpose and your significance and all your trust in this outward beauty and put all your energy into that. Put it also on the inside for that inner beauty. You see, working out to me is important and everything. I try to work out because now that I'm 40, you know, everything's not quite where it used to be. You know, it may all still be there and way about the same, but it's shifted slightly <laughs> over the years. And it's a little hard to keep it tamed and, you know, ruly. <laughs> so, you know, Working out's important, especially the older you get, and it's a lot more work as you get older. But godliness has a value for all things. You see, God's value system is so different than ours. 1 Timothy 4, 8 says, For physical training is of some value, but godliness has value for all things, holding promise for both the present life and the life to come. That's not saying we don't take care of ourselves. It's saying put just as much attention on the inward side. Don't just work on the outward. You see, he loves his daughters with an everlasting love. No matter how you have stumbled and fallen, he still pursues you. He still chases you. He still wants to romance you. He still wants to run after you and embrace you and be there for you. You see, he is always ready with open arms for you. Jeremiah 31.3 says, The Lord appeared to us in the past saying, I have loved you with an everlasting love and I have drawn you with loving kindness. You see, he's looking for his little girl again. I truly believe that. I don't ever want to stop approaching God's throne as a little girl because he is looking for that little girl in you to trust him again, no matter what you've walked through in your life. You see, that little girl that has stars in her eyes and a dance in her step, a skip in her stand, it's like my, a skip in her step, it's like my little girl, Abby, who everything she sees through rose-colored glasses, literally her glasses are rose-colored, <laughs> but no, she just sees everything through rose-colored glasses, you know, butterflies and flowers and everything's just full of joy and happy and she's just flopping floppity-floppity all over the place. You know, nothing seems to bother her. She's so carefree. And I sit back sometimes and I just laugh because I'm like, okay, you know, I don't know what universe she's living in, but surely she's there all by herself (laughs) because she's just running and hopping and skipping and, you know, and you call her name, yeah, I'm here, you know. But that's the little girl that God is looking for in you, that he can call your name and you come running full of joy, full of anticipation of what he has for you. That, you know, when Pat comes home from a trip, you know, and he brings gifts sometimes, you know, she comes running and leaps in his arms. Not that we're wanting God to just only for his gifts and everything, but she runs to him in anticipation of what he has for her and to be in his presence, to be with him. You see, what happened to you? The enemy wants to cheapen you. He wants to make you live in a devalued lifestyle. You see, value has a price, and you are valuable. You see, how many of you ever watched the Antique Road Show? I love that show because they bring in things that appear to be so worthless, and you think, oh, they're going to get five bucks for that. (laughs) And they walk away going, you just have an item here that it's worth like $55,000, you know, and you're like, I'm going into my attic. I'm looking for something. (laughs) And so, you know, but I, the reason I love that show so much is it reminds me of my failures because when I was younger, just starting out in youth ministry with my husband and very immature, very 
very immature and everything. There was an elderly lady in our church. We were youth pastors, and she was not expected to live, you know, a lot longer. And she wanted someone that she could entrust her family antique china to. And she didn't have any relatives that she wanted to give it to. So she called me aside and she said, you know, would you like this? And I thought, oh, that's cool. You know, again, I'm young and immature. And, you know, she said, I would like to give this to you. It's priceless. It is so precious to me. It's been in my family for years, hundreds of years, you know, and or something like that. But And it was beautiful. I mean, it was like had roses on it. You know, me being so young, I mean, it wasn't quite my taste, you know. And it was kind of old-fashioned, and <laughs> thus the term antique. You know, <laughs> so it was kind of old-fashioned and everything. And I thought, oh, that's cool. You know, that's sweet that she wants to give it to me. So I took it, you know, and thanked her for it. And I put it up in, you know, in a closet somewhere. <laughs> you know, I was stupid. And and so I put it up. And years later, you know, well, not many years later. It was about two years later. We had moved uh, to Alabama, and um, we had a yard sale. And I pulled that out. I thought, I have nowhere to put this. It's really old-fashioned. And, you know, I mean, I'm never going to use it. So I thought, I'm going to put that out in the yard sale. So, but there was one piece to this antique china that was a platter, a serving platter, and it was really beautiful. I thought, you know, I'll keep that one piece, you know, because, you know, for special occasions or something. Like, I, I really don't think you're really supposed to use it. <laughs> so, but, um, so I thought, I'll keep that. So I put it out in the yard sale, and I thought, oh, that's $50 for it. I mean, it's antique, I guess. You know, I mean, somebody will buy it. If they don't, you know, I'll lower the price. And so this elderly man came up. And he saw it, and I could see him walking towards it from across the parking, or for our driveway. And he just, his eyes were real big and everything. And he walked up to it, and he goes, how much do you want this for this box of china? And I said, well, I don't know. I said, why? And he goes, well, I have been looking everywhere for this particular china for my wife. And I got to thinking, okay, maybe there's more to this china <laughs> than I thought. And I'm thinking, okay, well, I kept the one piece, you know. <laughs> so... He he immediately whipped out $50. I mean, he looked at me like I was an alien from another planet and handed me $50 and walked away, put it in his car, made sure it was secure in his car before he came back and talked to me. And so then he walked over to me, and he said, do you know how much that china's worth? <laughs> and I said, well, I mean, it's so it was given to me, and everything. he goes, it is worth thousands of dollars. <laughs> He said that it would be worth even more if it had the serving platter with it. And I thought, oh, I hate that. (laughs) And I have that platter to this day. (laughs) But anyway, I love that show. But do you know that God finds you valuable? And so many times we don't see the worth in ourselves and we don't see that but God sees it and he doesn't want us to throw ourselves away and you know settle for less or cheapen ourselves by you know not thinking that we're worthy first Corinthians six nineteen says do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you whom you have whom you have received from God you are not your own you were bought at a price he paid such an awesome price for us. Then why do we treat ourselves so badly when he finds us so valuable? You see, when did you become a fraud in your life? When did you settle for being devalued? See, Second Corinthians says, but we have this treasure in earthen vessels, in jars of clay. You see, so many times we try to fix up the vessel 
but the treasure's on the inside. You see, 1 Corinthians 6.19 says, Or didn't you realize that your body is a sacred place, the place of the Holy Spirit? Don't you see that you can't live however you please, squandering what God has paid such a high price for? The physical part of you is not some piece of the property belonging to the spiritual part of you. God owns the whole work. He owns you all, the physical and the spiritual. But see, how many times have I seen girls and women reduce their value And they're asking price for love and for compassion and for intimacy, lowering their self-worth. But let me tell you something. There is a story in the Bible that I love so much, and it's in the Old Testament. See, were you sold on the bargain rack? Is that how you feel at times? You see, the enemy's goal is to get you to devalue yourself, to make you believe that you are not worth anything at all, that you're not worth the highest bid for your life. But see, I'm reminded of Hosea the prophet. You see, how many of you know, I mean, he's a prophet, right? I mean, you know, he deserves the very best, wouldn't you think? I mean, he's devoted his entire life to God. He set himself apart and everything. You'd think, you know, if God had a wife for him, she'd be like really high on the value scale. But see, when you have to remember this story because the greatest, it's the greatest story of a marriage that refuses to quit. You see, here is a prophet that God had raised up. I mean, he had given everything to God. And God says, you know, Hosea, I know, you know what, you've been faithful to me. You've been such a great prophet. I mean, you've listened to me. You've given the words that I've given you to say. I mean, you've done all this. But you know what, I've got a wife for you. I have a wife for you. I have picked her hand, picked her for you. And don't you know who is thinking that's going to be good? God's got somebody awesome for me. I mean, she's going to be so awesome. But then he says, you know what, Hosea, you're going to have to go down to the red light district to get her. You know what, she's down there waiting on you. He said, you know what, I've got this woman for you, but you know what, you're going to have to buy her off the auction block to get her. You see, he marries this woman, Gomer, and he loves her and he fights for her. He buys her out of prostitution. I mean, can you imagine? He's a man of God. And he buys her out of prostitution. She already has children. And it's, I would be surprised if she even knew who the fathers were to her children. You see, she continues, even though he, he rescues her out of that situation, she continually runs back to prostitution. And he continually goes and buys her back. He loved her because God had given him this woman. You see, Hosea 1, 2 through 3 says, Then the Lord began to speak through Hosea. The Lord said to him, Go, take to yourself an adulterous wife and children of unfaithfulness, because the land is guilty of the vilest adultery in departing from the Lord. So he married Gomer, daughter of Diblam, and she conceived and bore him a son. You know what? This woman had affairs behind this man's back. He even takes care of her when she's out involved in her prostitution his children are the children of strangers and she would even work as a temple prostitute to Baal. you see he tried so hard to make this marriage work you see he loved her so much he was in a type of way he was the a shadowing type of jesus in the old testament but she kept selling herself into prostitution you see don't you know that's how jesus feels So many times he goes and he purchases us back. He redeems us. He pays our debt over and over and over. And we continually 
go back and turn our hearts against him. We go back and turn our backs against him, doing our own thing, our own selfish desires. And that's where the the world was at this time. But can you imagine Hosea pleading with this woman, pleading with Gomer? He says, Gomer, why do you have to leave us every night? Why can't we just be here and live as a family? Why can't you embrace the gift that I've given you? He said, I took you out of the streets, out of the abuse, out of all of that stuff. Don't you know there's nothing left there for you? You see, he, he would look at the kids and say, look at these kids, Gomer. Look in their eyes. How can you walk out on them? How can you turn your back on them? But no matter how much he pleaded with her, nothing would sway her to stay. You see, can you imagine his feelings? Anger at being rejected by her. Disappointment that she would go back to the streets. Discouragement over her not wanting to love him. The embarrassment of what all the talkers would say. And that sinking feeling of rejection. Psalms 30 verse 5 says, Weeping may endure for a night, but joy comes in the morning. You see, Hosea's troubled mind was tormented more by the voices of his small children than anything else, I believe. You see, how many times have you walked through things and you think, There have been more nights where you stay up, but there is a renewing that takes place in the morning. You know, there have been times I've went to bed discouraged and, and, you know, defeated. And in that sleep, it's like angels. God sent angels just to repair my armor, just to sew it back on, just to repair those items. And I wake up refreshed and renewed and ready for the challenges of a new day. You see... Joel 2.13 says that we are to be slow to anger and abounding in love. Ephesians 3.18 says how high, how deep, and wide is the love of God. But you see, the innocent eyes of his children seem to tear Hosea's heart to pieces. You see, I can imagine that they would walk around and say, Daddy, where's Mommy? Why isn't she home? Why doesn't she stay home with us? You say, when is Mommy coming back? I imagine that they would say, why does she leave every night? Why does Mommy have all those bruises? on her body, all the scars. Why is her clothes always tattered? You know, I imagine that that ripped his heart out. And then that question, does mommy love us? You know, I imagine he was haunted by those questions. And with a lump in his throat, I imagine he would look at those children and say, you know what, kids, mommy's coming home soon. She's going to be back. Mommy will be home later. You know, he would go through the whole routine, getting them ready for bed and doing the baths, the snacks, the bedtime stories, even the futile prayers that she would come home. You see, but then Hosea would be left alone in the house, alone with his torment, alone with his feelings of rejection, alone with the fears of the welfare of Gomer, just alone. You see, but here's what God made Hosea do. Hosea 3, 1 through 3 says, Then the Lord said to me, Go, show your love to your wife again. Though she has loved by another and is an adulteress, love her as the Lord loves the Israelites. Though they turn to other gods and love the sacred raisin cakes, so I bought her for 15 shekels of silver and about a homer and a lethic of barley. And then I told her, You are to live with me many days, not to be a prostitute or to be intimate with any other man, and I will live with you. You see, he hadn't seen her in so long. She had been gone for so long, lost in prostitution. But then he heard one day that there was an auction being held in the city streets. 
an auction of slaves. And don't you know, I imagine he had that sinking feeling, that intuition that if I go to that auction, I'm going to find my bride. I can find her there. You see, he finds someone to leave his children with. He makes sure everything's taken care of at home. He finds someone to watch them, and he goes to the auction. You see, it is there that he focuses all his attention on that auction block. One, two, three, four, five slaves go by, no Gomer. He can't find her. But you see, there's not many left for the auctioneer to auction off. But as Hosea begins to look to the remaining slaves, he can't find her. He doesn't recognize her, but she's there because life has been hard to her, and she's unrecognizable. You see, the ways of a transgression are always hard. Sin has a way of aging us when we're deep in those sins. She is but a shell of what Hosea once knew and what he once took to be his wife. But finally, when he does recognize her, he goes up and he just pulls her off the auction block and he said, you're coming home. I'm taking you home. I'm going to love you. I'm redeeming you right now. And for just 15 shekels of silver, the price of a wounded slave, that's what he does. But you see, she felt so unworthy. But you see, let me tell you the names of her family members. Hosea's name meant salvation. Gomer's name meant complete. She had a son, Jezreel, who means scattering of seed, a daughter, Lo-Ruhamah, no mercy, and a son named Lo-Ami, which meant not my people. You see, in other words, God says salvation brings completeness in your life. But when you wander off and you scatter the seeds that God has given you, then there's no mercy and no ability to be part of his people. But you see, she felt so dirty and so unworthy, and yet he still kept loving her. I mean, how awesome is that? You see, that is what Christ did for us when he paid the ultimate price. Watch this video with me.
you see, ladies, God has so many gifts for you, so many awesome gifts. You see, he is a shopaholic, and he wants to come in and bestow so many gifts on you. He bought your freedom. You are his inheritance. You see, worship team, if you'll come up, please. You see, girls, I want you to know that your dad, your father in heaven, loves shopping for his daughters. You see, I want you to know that you I want you to know that your dad, your father is loaded. He has everything. He is the the most awesome father that you could ever imagine. Matthew 7, 7 says, Ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and the door will be opened to you. You see, he chose our inheritance for us, Psalms 47 says, The pride of Jacob, whom he loved. Psalm 68, 9 says, You gave abundant showers, O God. You refreshed your weary inheritance. But see, ladies, tonight it's time for a massive all-out shopping spree tonight. It's time that he, you allow him to bring you joy and peace and comfort and authority and power and victory in your life tonight. That's what he has for you. This is your night for him to pull off, pull you off of the auction block. Quit selling out. Quit selling yourself short of what God has for you. You know what? Let's go shopping tonight. Let's go shopping for what he has. Who has my bags? Who has the bags that I bought? I need my bags tonight. If all the ladies that got a bag tonight, that got a gift, would you mind standing up? Just stand up with those bags. What awesome gifts. I was so excited to go shopping and to receive these gifts tonight. You know what? Would you open that bag and see what's in there? Security. You know what? God has security for you tonight. Did you know that? He has security for you tonight. What do you have? That's right. God has forgiveness for you. He has so much, not just for you, but for other people that you can forgive and that you can let go of and everything. What do you have tonight? Provision. That's right. God is going to provide all that you could ever ask or imagine. You see, God has the most awesome gifts. What do you have tonight? Healing. That's right. You just keep believing for your healing because God has healing for you. And he gives it so freely. And there's healing in areas that you don't even know you need healing. And he's going to provide it for you. What do you have tonight? You know you have purpose. You know God has a purpose for you. And you just got to walk into it. Walk in that destiny. What do you have tonight? Wisdom. You've been praying for wisdom in some areas. For direction. For guidance. And God's got it for you. Just open your ears to hear what he has to say and listen to his voice. What do you have tonight? And that is so true. I know you. (laughs) He's over, just giving you love overflowing. And it just flows out of you so freely to everybody around you. And he has so much more to give to you. What do you have tonight? Confidence. 
God has so much confidence for you because you know what? You have every right to be confident because you are a daughter of the King. And with that comes so much favor and so much purpose and so many blessings. And how could you not be confident knowing that your Father is the King of all kings? What do you have tonight? Freedom. Freedom from whatever it is that you've been asking God about. He has so much for you. So much freedom for people in your life that you've been praying for it for. And he's got it for them. You just keep believing. What do you have tonight? Protection. He is with you all the time. And he is going to protect you through no matter what you walk through, through the darkness, through the valleys, through the mountains, no matter what you go through, he's going to be right there holding your hand, protecting your home, protecting your family, protecting your finances, and he's going to walk with you. What do you have tonight? Hope. He is hope, and he's going to give you hope, and he's going to honor your faith and your just the way that you love him and he's going to honor you and he sees that what do you have joy just allow him just to well up inside of you till it's just bubbling over be that little girl that has that dance in her step that just runs to him with such anticipation what do you have tonight purity you know what God's given you an awesome gift to pour into young people's life. He has placed you in a position to speak purity and life into young lives. And that is truly a gift. What do you have tonight? Peace. That's right. You are such a precious woman and God has such peace for you. But not just for you. For you to share with other people who need peace. You are to be a gift to other people, to speak that to other people as well. You know what? It is so amazing to me, all these gifts that God has for you, for every woman, for everyone. Did I miss anyone, any gifts? If everyone would stand with me. How many of you, there are gifts that you saw tonight and you say, I need that, I need that gift, that one's mine. That one should have been in my hand tonight. How many of you can say that tonight? Just raise your hand. Don't be ashamed because you know what? There are things in there that I say, okay, God, you know, I gave my gift away tonight. I need it back. You know? But you know what? He has so many gifts for you. And every single one of those gifts that were in that bag, he has for every single one of you. And what I'm going to ask tonight is I am going to ask for every lady to come up to this altar because there's not one of us that doesn't need something that doesn't have our hand outstretched when we're praying and saying, God, I need this. I need this. But you know what he wants more than anything is for you to say, I need you. I need you in my life. I need you to come down and wrap your arms around me like a loving father. And then whatever you see the need in my life, fill it. And that's what he wants. And so I want you to come forward tonight so I can get one of the girls to to move this, someone to move this so the ladies can come forward. But I want everyone just to come down. And if you would, I know it's hard. If you're physically able, I would like for you to get on your, just 
bow, you know, not bow down, but just, you know, get down on your knees right here and just begin to tell God those needs in your life. But before you do that, tell him that you need him. And so right now, as we're coming to this altar, I would just like for every woman to close your eyes and to say, dear Jesus, forgive me if there's anything in my life that has kept me from receiving the gifts that you have for me. Help me to let it go. I receive your promises and your gifts. If there's anyone here tonight with your eyes closed and your heads bowed, if there's any one of you that that gift that you want, that you're so desiring and you've never, ever known that love before, if the gift that you're desiring tonight is that gift of salvation, the gift to know Him, to know Christ as your personal Savior, if you will raise your hand right now and God will meet you at that place of obedience. But you know what? I am just believing that God is going to bestow so much favor and so much blessing on each and every woman. I want you to do something, and it may seem a little weird, it may seem a little strange and everything, but you know what? This altar right here is the ultimate shopping mall. It's the ultimate place for you to come and to meet the Heavenly Father and for Him to give you gifts. This altar is your gift rack tonight. And what I want you to do, every single one of you has a need in your life. And he loves you so much, he wants to meet that need tonight. And so what I want you to do, just imagine that there is this rack of gifts up here. And right within your grasp is that gift that you have been needing. Whether it's peace, whether it's joy, whether it's protection, whether it's freedom, whether it's healing in your body, whether it's protection for your family whether it's just trust, that you need to be able to trust. Once again, just see that on that rack and that your Heavenly Father is there just with the gift wrapped so beautifully. And so what I want you to do, whatever your need is tonight, I want you to take your hand and I just want you to reach out, just literally, physically reach out with your hand and take hold of that that God has for you because He wants to place it in your hand. But you know what? He's offering it freely, but if you don't take it, He can't give it to you. But I, He loves you so much. Lord, I pray right now that each and every woman here tonight will leave here having know that she has been in your presence. Lord, that you are walking with her, that you are talking with her. Lord, that when she wakes up in the morning, she can approach you as a little girl, as a little child, Lord, running into your presence. Just like my daughter runs into Pat's presence, Lord, and just jumps in his lap and just wraps herself up in his arms. Lord, these women can do that with you that they can spend that time with you, that they can walk in freedom and joy and peace and deliverance, Lord, that their marriages can be restored, that their children can come back to know you, Lord, that they can walk in financial freedom, they can walk in peace, they can walk knowing that you have the perfect job for them, that you have the perfect answer to their their questions that they're dealing with, Lord, that you can bring hope back into their families, Lord. And I am just declaring victory over each and every woman tonight, Lord. And I just praise you right now as we stay in these altars and we just minister to each other, Lord. As we take that time, Lord, I pray that you begin to bless these women. That you meet them here. That you talk with them. That you whisper in their ears, you're worth it. 
that you will whisper in their ears, I love you. That you will whisper in their ears, I gave it all for you. Show them how precious they are, Lord. Show them how lovely they are. Show them how much you love them, Lord, and care for them. Every tear that drops, every cry that goes out in the night, Lord, you hear it and you see it. And you have come to meet them here tonight. Ladies, as we just spend this time in prayer, if I can have my leadership, just go. And I want us just begin to pray, to lay hands on each and every woman and just pray with them that God would meet them here tonight. All my days, Jesus, I am.